Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze all the films in the DC Cinematic Universe by each individual minute. My name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And I'm Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Scott Corelli. You can find me on all social media at Scott Corelli and at DuelingGenre.com. Sweet deal. And we're back at it today. Uh, talking about minute number 73 of Dawn of Justice. 72. 72. Did I say 73? Yeah. People are going to get confused. Good. I like that. <laughs> so uh, minute 72 is going to start out with uh, Alfred coming in hot with a poetic analogy. Yeah, you know? I feel it. Do you? And the minute's going to end with uh, it's how, how best to describe it. Batman, Batman being real stern. Mm. that's being batman being being uh, a misguided batman calling superman a son of a bitch yeah like just right at him yeah how dare you talk about laura levan like that oh man <laughs> he doesn't even know uh, doesn't even know i i love this i guess it's like a garage but i i i, I yeah i love this room i love mm-hmm. the like long sh- like stream of computer monitors like with the in the red and they've got like shelving in front of it like it's oh. mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't make any sense i mean why would you put a computer monitor behind shelving but uh i it just it's a really cool aesthetic choice i just really love how everything in this is uh we saw we saw clark's uh or Lois's TV behind mm-hmm. the tools. No, her tools were behind the TV. Were the tools behind the TV? Yeah. It wasn't vice versa. Oh, right, okay. right, right. It was like so it opposite, was like affixed <laughs> on the tool rack, and it didn't. I guess you just don't use the tools mm-hmm. <laughs> ever. The I, TV, I just love yeah. that everything is monochromatic except for the computer monitors are just like yeah, just these bright deep red color. It's mm-hmm. awesome. I just love the it's way that, it looks. That theming of red, man. Mm-hmm. It's, it's happening. And like we've said it before, like we don't get that much color in the Batman Bruce Wayne storyline where it's like just the little splashes of red. Mm-hmm. Red being like the primary color theme for this movie. So mm-hmm. the accent color. Also, accent color. I'm there sure you, you guys are probably you probably you usually are good about noticing this on the show. So you probably have this in your notes. But um I love that this conversation between uh, Bruce and, and Alfred is, you know, Bruce is, you know, basically saying like his, his philosophy is very black and white and Bruce is wearing a white shirt and black pants. And Alfred mm-hmm. is like, ah, I don't know. I, I, it seems weird that you're, you're going zero to 60 here. And he's like in gray overalls I just I, or gray coveralls. Um, I love that as a yeah, aesthetic choice. The, the wardrobe throughout this film is, just been like purposeful yeah and uh you know it's interesting seeing him wearing white because normally he's always wearing very dark colors mm-hmm. so uh, it's surprising that they went with white and not like wearing black or well something. i assume this is right after he woke up from the vision and like at, decrypting the mm-hmm. lex computer which was directly after the the other party mm-hmm. right so that's like still tuck shirt right right yeah, it was a it you was know, a shirt he wore when he went to the uh, museum gala yeah. with Diana. Um, no, it, as if he was invited. Gala, not the gala party. <laughs> well, he needs and what? he needs the white shirt to be in black and white. Like he needs to have yeah. the you know he's seeing the world in black and white, uh, good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alfred is like, it might be more complica- complicated than that. Um, so he needs to be wearing black and white to sort of uh, for the wardrobe to match his philosophy in this moment. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, this I wrote down the same thing like this garage like is just great. Yeah, it just looks it feels like it should be like this is where you're supposed to be doing the work. This is obviously like Batman's garage. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense that Alfred is just, you know, working away on these things. Like, what you, Alfred does. If, do you guys have the do you guys have the art book? Yes, sir. Okay. Is there a um is there like a schematic layout of the Batcave in there anywhere? I think it's in the tech book, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, There's okay. two like these they're they're like the long, extra long books or whatever, the yeah. landscape books. Right. There's like a tech one that has all the tech for 
Batman. Uh. And I'm, I kick myself. Like I was, I had it. I remember getting it the first day when yeah, I was at the comic shop and it. I was like, uh, I'm taking this, like, this is mine. I don't want to sell this. I don't want to put this on the floor. And, uh, somebody came in like, well, like an hour after I opened the box, it was like, Hey, did you get that Batman tech book? And I was like, all right, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. Cause I, 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 away. I am, I am, uh, we have, I don't think in any interpretation of Batman ever seen a bat cave with rooms before. It's usually mm-hmm. depicted as one giant room with like different platforms. You know, there's yeah. like a garage platform and there's a bat computer platform. I I've never seen a bat cave with actual like legitimate rooms before. So I'm just I'm fascinated about like how this bat cave works because it is uh, you know, this uh, Zack Snyder is a director, uh, you know, he loves playing with iconography and like really mm-hmm. being like, oh, what 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 when I think of Batman, what do I think of? And then he'll put that on the screen, whether or not that's a new a new thing that he came up with or, you know, like later in the movie when he like literally just rips panels from Dark Knight Returns and, and throws them on the screen. Right. Yeah. But so I'm yeah. just I'm fascinated by this Batcave because he did something completely new with this Batcave. And that's not normally his thing. Like he's not normally that guy. So it's it's really interesting to see. I don't know. Is this is this this garage isn't open at all, is it? I don't think like, so. How do we Yeah, it is. Isn't or, this is this not where the the landing for the Batmobile is and it's just kind of on a swivel? Kind of? Is this not the... So think about... So you have to think ahead, but... Yeah, think ahead into next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when the Batmobile is done doing its thing, it yeah. comes back in, and it drives up the lane, and it parks, and he jumps out. He That's where upstairs. it lands. So we're, we're, if we're looking oh. at where they are now, those stairs next to Bruce, they lead up to where he walks up. And once he gets out, he jumps out of the Batmobile, he walks up those stairs, he takes off his cowl, he sits at the computer, and he does something next week. Okay. So this thing is, this is the garage. This is the landing bay of the Batmobile. Uh And by the way, folks, this is our first glimpse of the Batmobile in this DC Cinematic Universe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, That's true. So do you think like, my, with talking with this Batmobile, Mm -hmm. he's only has the one? He does only have That's the one. That's what I wanted okay. to say. Hang so on, pause, pause, pause. Okay, go for don't, it. Don't do that. Um, we got to see an expansion to a garage. Like, I mean, I've, I know that I have seen uh, one Justice League trailer, and there's that bat crawler machine, whatever, that he has. It has a name. I don't remember the name because I haven't, I've been, you know, kept blind. I thought it was on. called the bat crawler. Is it called the bat crawler? I don't know. I know, the, the I know there's a night crawler. Maybe it's called the night crawler. Like no, that's, a, that's an yeah. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> It's something like that. Anyway, where's he going to build that? It's not like he can, like, where's he going to park the car? Uh, like, just, yo, just move it a little bit down the runway, and then I'll build the night crawler here, the bat crawler here. Mm-hmm. Well, how long is, well, see, is Or is he going to expand, like, is the bat cave, are we going to see an expansion to it? Clearly, there's, like, it's not just this one cave, or, like, you know, it's a cave. You can probably blow out another wall, like what they did in Dynamite. Yeah. I, I think or, I think that they'll expand downward because this is the Batcave is and this is something that I never thought about until I was listening to the show. This, this Batcave is where he spends most of his time, but it is not like he has like an apartment right above or like, well, I mean, like a, like the Bruce Wayne equivalent of an apartment, which is, you know, like a normal person's house. But yeah, like a, but it's like a smallish house. Like the, the mansion is not above this place. Right. This Somebody. Is yeah. No. What someone else. just said. I. I feel like I, it might have been on the Listener Society. Um, the house that Bruce lives in was Alfred's, and then when the mansion was destroyed, like Alfred was like, "Yo, Bruce, move in to my place, and I'm gonna go live in a cottage. Like, I don't. I don't need all like the fancy stuff. Isn't that? I feel like someone said that. That's. Uh, yeah, I think someone sounds, said something like so, that. So yeah. So I was just thinking, you know, the cave can be as big as that lake because the cave yeah, is yeah. under the lake. Yeah. Well, yeah, because what I what I was thinking is like maybe yeah he would expand downward like you know I mean we don't we have like endless ground I mean you can keep going down you know um, and yeah. he can and it's a cave so he can just keep building downward and and outward and um, 
yeah, I mean, he can definitely expand, and I think yeah. maybe even eventually, you know, you could uh, he could he could sort of set up some sort of um, I don't know uh, system of travel between the yeah, actual yeah. mansion and and this uh, this bat cave. Yeah. You say the underground railroad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. We talked about it uh, a little last week because uh, in the nightmare sequence, it, in my opinion, it looks like the first sequence of the nightmare sequence is Batman stepping out. And you know, I'm repeating myself from last week. Batman stepping out. To me, that's him stepping out of the Batcave, and he's seeing like the bay. So he has access already to the bay between Gotham and Metropolis uh-huh. from the Batcave. And then can go back into that one tunnel and like kind of do underground. Well, in, and in uh, the Arkham Asylum games, he has multiple bat caves. Like he has like yes. satellite bat caves. So he could also mm-hmm. totally have something like that as well. Like anytime there's like, you know, a mountain or something, he's like, I'm going to yeah. build a bat cave here. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, know you know what I always like? I like the whole uh, clock tower business that Robin usually gets. Like, mm-hmm. like I, th- I think they did it in Detective Comics now. Sorry, people that aren't yeah. caught up. But, like, Tim Drake gets, like, some really badass, like, clock tower base. Yeah. Well, that's the uh, that's the Birds of Prey base. Uh, the clock is it? Tower. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Oracle gets it yeah. in uh, Arkham Knight, the mm-hmm. third yeah. video game. Yeah. She gets yeah. the clock tower. Yeah. Um, but I do think this is the only Batmobile in... Uh, in his possession. Yo, you see this thing's got two seats. <laughs> yeah, two seats. Which it doesn't look like it has two seats later on in this movie. I don't know. I, 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 well, and I also, um, I was just going to say about the, about the Batmobile. I don't think he uses it very much. Um, typically because I don't know if you're supposed to be tricking criminals into thinking you're a legendary demon who feeds on criminals. Why, why park your fancy car out front? Yeah, why would you have a car? Like it doesn't. Yeah. That doesn't really. That doesn't really track for me. So I think I don't I, think he yeah. uses the car very often. Uh, to be honest, I've I've never like not never like the whole idea of having the Batmobile is kind of just like it's been burned into my brain where it's like okay that exists it's a thing mm-hmm. and it's fun when I see it happening in like chase sequences and stuff. But when I do think about Batman, I do like to think about the superstitious Batman and like uh-huh. that kind of frightening character. And like the thought of him like jumping into a car and just screaming down the streets of a major city right. and people going like like the whole in the Nolan thing, it's like, oh, it's a black tank. It's like that's kind of true. Like the Batmobile has to be like a tankish kind of mm-hmm. thing just for like armored, I guess, purposes. And like just seeing that throws you out. Like that's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah. That is, in my opinion, Batman in twenty years. Okay, yeah, you can have a car, but for twenty years, I want to see you like jumping rooftops and being creepy. You know? Yeah, what I mean? and I think that's exactly what he did. And I think, but I think he he likes to be prepared, which is yeah. why you know he's going to have a car because maybe he is going to be in a situation where he's going to need one, and he's going to need it to be you know sort of part of his brand uh, hashtag on brand. But, 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 uh, you know, it's more of a preparation thing. I, I think, uh, I, I think, I think things like the Batmobile and the, and the Batplane and all of that stuff, that all comes later after he's let go of that sort of superstitious legendary mm-hmm. status and has become the sort of, you know, Batman detective working hand in hand with the GCPD hero of Gotham, yeah. Batman. Yeah. I mean, the whole outlook of Batman is that he wants to, you know, he wants the attention on him mm-hmm. uh, for, like, the crazies to target Batman versus targeting, you know, the innocent and whatever. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, the symbol's always big on his chest. He's always has a presence. Like, his, of course, he's going to have a really flashy car just driving down the streets. Like, but, like, that kind of, it just always, like, uh, it, it tickles me. Just the thought of <laughs> Batman and someone was like, Yo, we need to give him a sweet car. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like that. That's like, well, I mean, I know I'm, it didn't happen then, but like, that's like that whole 90s mindset where it's like, how do we make one character cooler? I don't know. Add a jetpack. Well, add well something, with Batman, like, Bat, the Batmobile specifically is a, is a, uh, I mean, look, we can give, we can give, uh, uh, oh man, I just dropped out of my head because I keep thinking of Bill Finger because he does deserve most of the credit for Batman. But Bob Kane. Uh, Bob Kane, thank you. So mm-hmm. we, we can, we, like Bob Kane, I mean, we can give him credit for, for, you know, helping to create Batman the way that he did. But he was, I mean, he was just literally ripping off two of his favorite characters, the Green Hornet and the Shadow. And yeah. 
was just like, so I really like the Green Hornet. I really love the shadow. Hey, Bill, let's let's make a character. And he's like, how about this? And he's like, OK, great. Let's do that. So, I, I mean, that that's all Batman is, is a combination of those two characters. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the Batmobile is just a ripoff of the Black Beauty from uh, – from Green Hornet, and I mean Green Alfred Hornet, is yeah. Alfred is is uh, basically uh, Cato. Cato. Yeah. yeah. So, so I don't know. It's it. I I agree with you. It's really silly idea, but I think that's where it came from originally. Was that he was ripping off uh, the yeah. Black Beauty? And it's just one of those things where like enough time is spent on it, like it just works. And like people, right. when like you introduce like a Batman, one of the next question is, "Yo, what's his Batmobile look like?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just because like it's, and that's weird. People don't, when you introduce a new character, they don't really, I mean, I guess a certain community does, but they're not like, hey, what's the action figure going to look like? Hey, what's the different variations of the action figure? But with Batman, it's like, it's that mindset. It's, hey, what's his Batmobile going to look like? That's just asking for a new toy. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I love seeing, and this is doing this minute by minute. This is the first time I've seen it because I always assume it had one seats. Seeing two seats in the Batmobile just like gives me butterflies in my stomach, man. Because, like, you know, you do see the Robin costume in the in the cave and everything. But, like, that kind of, like, solidifies, like, these guys were a duo. Like, I love that scene. There's a lot of times in Grant Morrison's book, and it's um, Dick Grayson as being Batman and whatever. And Damien was first introduced. Mm-hmm. So in those Batman and Robin scenes, there's, like, I'm pretty sure it's in the first volume. There's a scene of the two of them in the Batmobile. And it is a lot like this, like... Batmobile has like red screens and stuff in it. So like it's like a red room or a dark room Uh and it's the two of them having a conversation and they along, uh, I think they also did it again in new 52 Batman and Robin with Batman and Damien. And it just like the look of Batman and Robin sitting together side by side in a Batmobile, like a nine to five job that not even a nine to five job that just feels right in my opinion yeah i do like you know i like the superstitious aspect but i do like campy batman i like him going on patrol with robin like Mm -hmm. that's just fun and like robin's all excited like he'll jump into the batmobile like that's cool but our mma robin that we have in this universe oh i love it like imagine the two of them rolling side by side in this batmobile screaming down the streets of gotham like just flinging those doors open hopping out and just kicking ass like imagine that robin like that's that's that duo of that 20-year Robin and this Ben Affleck, Bruce Wayne, Batman, like, why why, did, why was that taken from us? Where is it? And is that what <laughs> Snyder wanted? Did he want me to just want more of that? What happened in those 20 years? Where is this Batman and Robin sitting together in this Batmobile? Well, and that's what makes me hopeful. Well, I think, um, uh, you know, having, having uh, listened to that week where you talked about the costume, uh, I, I do I do disagree with one thing, which is that I think you all agreed that there was only one Robin. I think there's two. I think I think there has been two Robins, and I think but I think that Dick Grayson quit pretty quickly and became Nightwing because as we know, like they are they are actively working on a Nightwing movie. Um, mm-hmm. There's like a director attached and everything, so you can't have Nightwing without Robin. So he had Very true. he had to have been Robin, even if for a short period of time. I think the the M- the MFA UFC uh, whatever Robin that you guys are referring to, I think is definitely Jason Todd. I think that's probably. Uh, uh, a pretty a pretty cool interpretation of that character, and we know yeah. that this movie is heavily influenced by Dark Knight Returns. And in Dark Knight Returns, Dark Knight Returns was written at right after Jason Todd was killed, and mm-hmm. that sort of that event is informing this you know sixty five year old uh, Bruce Wayne. Like he references you know ever, ever since we lost Jason, ever since we lost Jason, you yeah. Know? Um, and so I think I think that that's where we are right now is we are in that that part where, you know, Jason, he lost Jason. And I think uh, I, I actually think he retired. I think that that's why there was 18 years or 18 years, 18 months between the end of um, uh, the end of Man of Steel and the beginning of this movie. I think that's why mm-hmm. there's 18 months. I think he's retraining himself to become Batman again. Uh, yeah, like, I, I mean, it would make sense. We do, yeah, we yeah. do get introduced the first time of Bruce Wayne, so he probably was being more Bruce Wayne at the time, right? And we do see a lot of Bruce Wayne, like at Wayne Industries, like you know, in this movie, like right, you know, he's he's not. We also see always in a Batman suit. We also see nights where he doesn't become Batman, yeah, right. and he so. just decides I'm going to go drink and 
yeah, do yeah. Pills so that's that's a good that's a good theory right there. I I think I think the death of of Jason Todd, uh, I think he he had to quit because he was becoming something he didn't want to be, um, and the event in Metropolis drove him back toward that, and now he yeah. is becoming the thing he didn't want to be, uh, which is this like you know kind of a kind of a bad guy, uh, and. That all tracks for me psychologically. Um, yeah. You know, losing Jason, going down a path and being like, okay, you know, having a conversation with Alfred where he's like, you're becoming something that you never intended to be and you need to chill out and retiring, <laughs> you know, and then this this Metropolis event dragging him back in. Uh, and yeah. those those 18 months are him you know, building back up to becoming Batman again. And I, I would argue that the, the first time that we see him in that, in that uh, situation with the, um, the, the sex slaves, uh, sex trafficking yeah. thing, I think that that's, <laughs> that's one of the, uh, I think that's one of the first times that Batman has returned to Gotham. Yeah. Or yeah. One of the first, cause I, yeah, yeah. I think that line from Rucka with the, you know, like he was all excited. Like I saw him, I saw him like, right. He's like, back. Yeah, like he's yeah. he he was yeah. It's like exactly he's back, and, and he's only had a couple we, sightings. Didn't we see? Oh, this isn't until a couple weeks that, for the listeners. But like, were they here? Um, it's in week twelve. Where the, Clark is reading articles about Batman's return, and like that Caesar Santos was one of like oh, eighteen yeah. people who was just now being branded by the Batman. So he does he does come back mm-hmm. instead of branding every month. Yeah, with his new rules, you know. <laughs> yeah, his branding day. Yeah. Where's that movie? Branding day. The new um, Batman movie directed by Because I can I can uh, I can picture that conversation with Alfred where he's like, I need to build a br- a brand and he's like, Oh yeah, sure. Like uh <laughs> he's just like calling like marketers or whatever. No, uh marketing people. Uh but no, no, like an yeah. actual brand uh, and, and, you know, having that conversation with Alfred where he's like, I need to have a brand so I can, you know, go out and like burn these criminals and, and sort of make a mark on Gotham saying that I'm back, you know, like I can, I can hear that conversation and like the hesitance of Alfred being like, I, that just seems, that seems dark and bad. I don't know why we're doing this. This seems not good. And I, like, I don't know, like I, that, that all just cause kind of tracks for me. Um, well, I mean, one of the biggest influences of Batman is the mask of Zorro. Mm-hmm. Zorro leaves his mark. And like, right. I mean, Antonio Bandetta has actually cut that guy's stomach open. Do you remember that? Yeah. He cut that man. Come on. That's as bad as a branding. Yeah. No, that's worse than a branding. That guy probably died. <laughs> I think he did die. He probably did. Probably. Like, anyway, so I think it's probably like getting down to it. Like maybe in, in Batman, Bruce's mind, he's like, I got to get back down to my get back down to my roots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He remembers Zorro. He's like, you know, I'm going to do that. He wants people <laughs> exactly. to know that he's back and he wants them to know fast. And yeah, which is like, I don't understand like the difference between the branding and the signal is like on the complete opposite side of the spectrum mm-hmm. where it's like the signal is like, Hey, look out. This is a warning. So like you stop doing your crimes and to put that fear into you versus like the branding is like that actual tangible object. Like this is what happens when he gets his hands on you. Right. Like there's a certain heightened fear, I guess, between the two of them. It could even be a thing where over the course of those 20 years, maybe he started as that superstitious Batman sort of evolved into more of uh, a guy working with the GCPD, working with, you know, Captain Gordon and and all of that and having a partner partners and then mm-hmm. when jason died he sort of went off the deep end and started you know going darker and more uh more harsh and sort of maybe even lost gordon in the process of that of like gordon just being like i'm not on board with this anymore i don't like where you're going and i can't be a part of it uh and so maybe the 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 signal exists because of a past relationship that he had with the GCPD that he doesn't have anymore. And maybe he'll have to build that back up in Justice League. Oh, what the? Out of toner again? Oh, Lois Lane is going to kill me. Hey, does anyone know where we keep the toner cartridges? Of course. Everyone knows we keep the toner cartridges in the supply closet. The only problem is we're completely out. I just checked. Completely out? 
but I gotta get these articles printed and on Perry's desk by Monday, the latest. Well, you could go to Amazon.toolmedia.com and buy the toner from there. They definitely get here before Monday. Amazo who? Amazon.toolmedia.com. You can find almost anything on there, and it'll get here faster than a speeding bullet. And a fraction of what you pay for goes to helping out some podcast called DC Cinematic Minute. Well, that's awesome. I'm all about helping others, as you know. <laughs> all right, so Amazon.toolmedia.com. Well, I better get to it before Superman stirs up another headline. The signal does get destroyed in this movie, so. And I did see a trailer in Justice League where there's a signal. Right, so. right. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah, this whole, like, 20 years between it is really, that's just something really fun to play with. I'm yeah. glad that that exists now. Yeah. Like, I'm, it literally, come on, we're, we started a podcast because, like, you can talk about things like that. That's just, in my opinion, that's one of the things that makes this movie a masterpiece. That's just genius. Like, giving the fans... 20 years. 20 years to 20 like years. do exactly what we're doing. We don't know any more than anybody else on the internet right now. We're seeing the movie just the same as you guys. So like our theories of what happens in 20 years is exactly what like that was supposed to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that was the intentions. Oh know. yeah. It's just, that's why it's just perfect. It's, it just fits. It, it works. All right. So what are we doing? We're getting into this. <laughs> I had, I cannot, I underlined two, two seater Batman, Batmobile, like, and that was your big... That that's was, the biggest thing that I'm going to take away from maybe from this whole week. I'm glad we're minute. talking like, about this Batmobile for sure because obviously what they're going to be talking about is, is a superheated argument. But mm-hmm. it's like, we have but, to talk hey about... Hey, man, th- check out what's happening. Did you see the Batmobile? It's like, like <laughs> yo, we have to talk about this thing. You yeah. know? And I think it's such a... It's a different... Um, the way that this Batmobile is treated is a little different than the, the Dark Knight trilogy that came right before this, I got to say, because... I do think it's it's just the one Batmobile, and you need this garage that they have here. I feel like it's so necessary because it's like, if it's the only thing, you know, when it gets used, like, it gets used. Like, when he decides, hey, I need the Batmobile. Oh, yeah, it's like a race car. It's like, you have to do all this to yeah. it. Like, I think I had, like, this old uh, Batman black and white issue where it's like, the whole issue is just him constantly working yeah. on the yeah, yeah, Batmobile. Yeah. And uh, it's like... With the Dark Knight trilogy, it seemed like if he ruined it, he'd be like, all right, Lucius, I need another one. He had an right. army of them. We yeah. saw that at the third movie. Like, it was just, they were just there. They were just, just like, all right, well, them. got to spend two hours to paint it. There's probably a Wayne Tech <laughs> machine you that do. you can, like, it's like a car wash, but it's just paint it. You only need to buy black paint. <laughs> Come on. Like, how much is that Home Depot bill? Put it on the credit card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the back credit card. <laughs> Another thing that we get in this uh, for his origin is... Alfred starts with saying, since the age of seven, like you like have been drawn to the art of deception. Like I know there's that whole, and, uh, and what what's the, what's the significance of being seven years old and deception? That we get a, like more of a concrete date and time with Batman oh. learning stuff. I like, thought you were going to say like, that's like age of a child's mind developing cunningness or something like that. I just, I just sure. assumed that's when his parents died. <laughs> He was seven. No, I think he's... Didn't he No, his learn? parents died when he was eight. And he died when he was nine. Nine? We have, it, we have I dates. I have the information <laughs> here somewhere in my notes. Um, is this because many, of the but, movie? You know, is this what you gathered from like the movie release or whatever that they were seeing? It's... See, like... No, I was, know that there are specific... Like, this movie takes place within a specific amount of time. I'm just very confused as to what that is because there's evidence that it takes place within like maybe two or three months of just like the fall season right before Christmas versus like I'm thinking this movie takes place at least a year fall like of whatever year that was like present day 2016 to the following year of 2017 fall like that's where I think it kind of fits but there's definitely solid evidence that makes it seem like the timeline is shorter Mm. yeah because he was born in this character was born in 72 and his parents died in 81, but it says here when he was seven, he was already learning. Uh, what does he say? What, how, 72 yeah, and 81? Been, what? Would you say he was born in 72? Born in 72, parents, parents, died, parents died in 81, he was nine. Yeah. Two years before that, he was already starting to so, learn. So, yeah, so where, like where he was, you, you know, still palling around with Alfred. Where are you getting that information from? Excalibur came out in 1981. 
Uh-oh. is the night that um, that was like the new release uh, yeah. of Excalibur. So that was when they were seeing it in the theater. Um, and the headstones as well. Um, oh. I think we also had to throw in Jonathan Kent's and Clark uh, or Cal landing on Earth. Yeah, those are dates. Incorporate, yeah, as we well. had to incorporate that to... as well. Hmm. Um, yeah, because when Cal lands on Earth is like days, if not like a week before the death of the Waynes. Hmm. I don't. Hmm. Okay, then I really don't like is that, that line. True? Then I really don't like that line. If if that's the age of seven, yeah. If that's not a direct reference to the death of his parents, then I don't like it because it doesn't make any sense. Like the whole the the whole point is that Bruce is just a kid until his parents die, and then he becomes something else. That's the whole point. And so, if he's like learning about the art of deception two years prior to his parents being killed, that's uh, that's weird to me. I don't like that at all. I will defend the fact and saying that there have I remember I can't remember what story it was but Mark's pointing at me there was a and I think it was an American uh American alien no that was all superman there was a point where Bruce Wayne was a young kid and his parents were still alive and he would venture out into the city and he would you know do mischievous things and I remember like the police caught him at one point or you know his dad caught him doing something wrong and like that was like the first signs of like you know, Bruce Wayne breaking away from like that whole hoity toity, you know, rich boy aspect where he would after school just go out into Gotham and then come back at sunset. So I guess there's a little bit of a defense of him kind of learning. Yeah, I did. I, I feel like it's a thing where he was already learning something from Alfred before like his parents died too. Yeah, well, there's like, definitely. I'm like, trying to think what the story is. I now. mean, the Christopher Nolan series kind of makes it seem like that Bruce Wayne was just like absolutely nothing without his parents, which I guess you could say is for a lot of kids. But like that kid was a child up mm-hmm. until his parents died, and then decided. up until he went to college. Apparently, <laughs> like yeah, uh, it still seemed like he wasn't really something until he left. Like Gotham. Twenty, yeah. So yeah. it seemed like that, like Nolan's, and maybe. Maybe that's supposed to be what that is. I mean, like that version, in my opinion, that version of Alfred is really soft. So he's not like a stern father figure that mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne actually is getting probably with Jeremy Irons. Alfred. Mm-hmm. Like this is like a father figure-esque partnership. We're on the same level at this point, you know, Batman and Alfred. So was it I think the... he did raise him a little bit. So at the age of seven, it was probably like, you know, he probably, you know, gave him pickles and he fed him to the dog and was like do you eat your pickles like yeah he's like no you didn't you just lied to me man like and i was probably at eight seven <laughs> pickles are great don't talk crap about that i like pickles um yeah and i'm just trying to think with the story because i feel like i've heard that before and i Which don't know one? uh just the fact that bruce was already learning little things before yeah even before his parents died and i wanted to say is it it's not court of vows but he was doing something as a kid I can't remember yeah. what it was, but like that's Someone I remember the panels. There's gonna be that that guy yeah. on the internet who's like, oh, let I me hope tell so. you. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so, uh, next bullet point is like this is. I really like this minute just because, you know, the shroud of the dark side. Etch a sketch. Wrong show. The shroud of what Batman is trying to. Uh, perceive as like his motivation to alfred is just Mm -hmm. completely taken away and he knows like there's at 20 to 21 seconds like there's one of the best shots of ben affleck and in you know put myself into the movie this is the one of the best times i have ever seen bruce wayne and i'm not saying bruce wayne the character of like the billionaire playboy i'm saying like actual take the cowl off Alfred refers to him as Master Bruce. Like, this is this is it. This is Bruce Wayne. And he is being told, like, hey, man, yeah, like, I'm catching you in the lie, but, like, hey, let's be real. Like, quit it. No shtick. No nothing. Like, let's do it. And this, like, look at that 21 seconds. He looks he is, like, like <laughs> dude, like, that is one of the, I'm getting goosebumps just looking at him. He is about to, like, give me the business right now. Like, this is... That's Batman. He looks straight up like Bruce Timms, Bruce Wayne. That's dude. I think I don't know if that was my note in this one or in tomorrow's minute, but I just now realized that in this week, and I think it's with this outfit and his hair, like it is, 
this you said it yesterday's minute scott like your perfect superman is uh christopher reeves and tim daly like this is this is uh bruce tim's batman like this is bruce tim's Bruce Wayne, like the, right here, I'm seeing it at least in person, visually. Visually, yeah. 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 There's a scene. I'm pretty sure it's in tomorrow where, like, his hair. It's just like I will, I'll find you the still of an animated series episode and mm-hmm. put them side by side and be like, right there, that that's it. No, no, for you guys sure. got it. I, 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 and I think I, I really do believe that Ben Affleck is going to. Uh, I think he he's already the best uh, live action Batman we've ever, we've ever had, but. I, mm-hmm. I think that everyone will unanimously agree once we start getting his solo movies. Oh, yeah. Like, we need to see what we've been talking about. We need to see that that learning side, that relearning of mm-hmm. Batman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, the whole, let's see the world's greatest detective. Mm-hmm. Let's see him become the world's greatest detective. Let's see him become what we perceive as uh, a, a classic Batman or, what did we call it in Man of Steel? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> We called Superman something like that was it wasn't pristine it wasn't like uh, classic it was uh, like traditional yeah but there was a word we used Iconic. And I can't remember what it was sure whatever <laughs> all all the synonyms for those yeah. let's use them and this is what I'm describing as Batman yeah yeah <laughs> like yeah. this is I wrote down like straight up Batman mm-hmm. this is it mm-hmm. we're getting it now Scott how do you feel about this universe's Alfred oh I love him. Uh, I, I, I really love him. I love that he's always tinkering with stuff and I, I like that he's not just a butler cause he's been with him and in this situation for so long that he's sort of evolved into, uh, like a, an accomplice basically. Um, yeah. and I, and I, I really like that, you know, like, you know, not to, not to cross universes, but he's the man in the chair. And I, I like that interpretation of, uh, <laughs> of, uh, of Alfred, that he's the man in the chair. I think, that's, I think that's really a really smart way of interpreting this character, especially one that isn't at the beginning of Batman's career, but right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. It's good. I'm, like the line in the beginning, like, we're criminals, Alfred. We've always been criminals. Like, that's just like... That's, in my opinion, that's great. Mm -hmm. The two of them realize that what they've been doing is like, hey, this world's effing crazy, man. Let's just (laughs) roll with the punches. And the way that the two of them click, I can't get enough of. One of my favorite things that I am excited for about Justice League, because I only saw the one trailer, and I did see Jeremy Irons in it. I want to know how that Alfred's going to be. Yeah. I wrote down, he's the voice of reason right now. Like, this is exactly what he is. Alfred is trying to fulfill his purpose of Alfred yeah, in this the, minute. He's the inner like, this voice. Is, this is Alfred right now. This, you know, cut dry, like, this is Alfred Pennyworth. And how is that going to transition? Like, we get that throughout all this movie of the Alfred with some great jokes of him, like, poking fun and, you know, saying, like, hey, you're not listening to me, man. But anyway, what's next? Yeah. Yeah, because the, the, the perfect interpretation of the character is... Simultaneously, a father-son relationship, but also an employer-employee relationship, mm-hmm. and finding that balance between those two things because they are, they they're completely opposed. Like it doesn't make sense that the employee would also be a father figure. That doesn't make any sense, and that's what makes their relationship so special. Is that it's very specific. Uh, mm-hmm. I I can't really think of any other like pairing of characters that has that same scenario of father, son, employee, employer, but not in the way that you would think, you know, like, like Lex uh, Alexander and his father would have sort of like the normal version of that, of the employee, employer, father, son dynamic. Um, Perry White and Clark Kent. Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah, where where the yeah. employer is the father figure, but in this mm-hmm, case, yeah. the employer is the son, and the employee is the mm-hmm. father figure. I've never seen that before, but it's interpreted perfectly in every scene that they're in together. That sort of tension of I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do because that's my job, but it's also my job to teach you morally why what you're doing may be crossing a line. Yeah, that's so interesting, that dynamic. And I really, really love that about the interpretation here. And I think I mean, that's probably one of the best things that makes uh, a Batman and Alfred, you know, 
stereotype or not even stereotype like that whole character image like that's what makes it iconic right because it it is like there's nothing else that compared to right and if something does come up that you that is on the same lines someone's obviously gonna be like oh yeah it's just batman and alfred right like it's right a little more than that yeah yeah so and uh one of the i really like this line so uh to get the leader uh listeners on board like so bruce wayne is telling alfred that the white Portuguese has Rocky on board, which is the big slab of kryptonite that is the key to de- defeating Superman or whatever. And he, he plans on stealing it from Lex Luthor. And Alfred's line of, like, to keep it out of Luthor's hands, to destroy it, is so... It's, like, like hopeless. It's, like, he's hoping for that answer, but he knows that's not the answer he's going to get. But it's it's so it seems a little futile. But he he's asking it anyways, and it's it's kind of um, redundant. No, it's it's like uh, it's I don't want to say sad because it is a little sad. But it's like that's you know he wants that answer, but he knows he's not going to get it. You know, like he knows that's why he already knows why he's stealing it. Mm-hmm. But he's hoping that he's hoping that Bruce knows that. Hey, man, that's wrong. Like in like the <laughs> inner voice sense, is yeah. like you know, there's a part of you saying that you could do good by not like, using yeah that. it's like yeah you can steal it like do like your plan but change the end game like what yeah. you're going to use it for is is wrong you know like come on you're still you're still a good guy like you went out with this you know batman thing with good intentions like yeah because stick like, to that when you look at him deliver that line it's like there's a sense of enthusiasm with it like to keep it out of his hands to destroy, to destroy it. it yeah it's like, like you know like, yeah. I'm about it. Let's do it. It's yeah. like, I know this isn't what you plan, so I'm baiting you into telling me what you plan on doing with this rock. Mm-hmm. I think, too, um, have you guys talked about why Bruce is having this specific reaction to uh, Superman and to the um, the uh, uh, Metropolis event? Have you Have you talked at all about like what? What the actual the, reasoning? Yeah, behind. like what, what? Like psychologically, what's going on there? Yeah, it's like it's a it's. I mean, it's it gets down to it in fear. Fear is basically mm-hmm. all of it. But if you, uh, it's um, how do we how do we describe it before? Because we kind of have it. Because Lex is the same way. Um, what is the what is the complex? Well, see, what there was something that we were trying to say. I don't know if it was in yesterday's minute, um, but I know we talked about it with Chris Ayers, and it's like all these characters have uh, a different way of going about what they think is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Superman, his, his idea of what the right thing to do is Batman with his right, like what the right thing yeah. to do is even Wallace Keefe, Lex Luthor, everyone has like their own agenda. Like they think their issue with how to fix the world is so different. And so I think when it comes to most of the humans, or like men in the world, it's mm-hmm. like I know how to fix the world, and it's like maybe getting rid of that yeah. that exists or something along those lines. So it threatens them. I mean, like it's basically humanity. You get threatened, and like that's one thing. Our native reaction is yeah. to just do away with it. It's one thing you can't control, and it's yeah. like our our need to control things might be along that line. I mean, there's so many ways you can go about it. So yeah. So what are you getting at? His motivation. Uh, yeah, we've we've touched on it a little bit, or a lot of it. Yeah, because <laughs> I think I actually think it all goes back to Jason Todd, because mm-hmm. G- I I think that the death of Jason Todd, and specifically you know like the Joker, the Joker is this sort of chaotic element. And he lost Jason Todd because he wouldn't you know quote unquote pull the trigger on the Joker, you know. And mm-hmm. and I feel like that's what's going on here is like I'm not making that mistake twice. Um, I, you know, if like like uh, I mean, he'll he'll I guess he'll talk. We'll talk about this more specifically tomorrow. Um, yeah. But but yeah, he's not going to make that that that, you know, that choice or that that uh, mistake twice. He's he's going to make sure that this this guy that he doesn't I don't know. It's like it's like this chaotic element of just. He needs to feel like he's in control because Absolutely. because of what happened with Jason Todd and his dealings with the Joker. 
and and how I'm sure that he affected things in the past. And I think that what happened in Metropolis was just this sort of like horrifying reminder of what happened to Jason Todd. Uh, and, you know, like that little girl being in danger. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that is definitely giving him some Robin flashbacks to a certain extent. Uh, and it just like all of that, I just think is all building toward a guy who is like, no, we're not going to let that happen again. Uh, and, and that, I think that's where a lot of this is coming from. Um, and I, and what I love about that is like, it's all stuff you have to read between the lines of like looking at the little hints of history that they give him to find Mm -hmm. like where all of that is. I mean, you can, you can read this on a surface level and just be like, I mean, yeah, a bunch of people died and he's Batman. So he wants to stop it. Um, but, but I, I think if you dig, if you dig deeper, you could really see, you can find all those little nuggets of motivation. And I, I'm just, that's what I really like about that. Like we talked about earlier, like all of that, that 20 years, that missing 20 years of continuity that we don't have. And, and hopefully we're never going to get. Uh, I, I just, I like that, you know, it feels like when you start reading comics and you just come in kind of in media res, you know, like Mm -hmm. I know Mm -hmm. what Batman is. So I'm going to start reading these Batman comics and they make references to things that happened in the past, but you didn't read it. So you don't know. Yeah. And I like that. It feels like, it feels like a comic book. It's cool. Yeah. It's like the continuing story. It's great. Yeah. Um, I wonder if some people who have seen this film like still didn't get the fact that he's 20 years of Batman. I'm sure. Like I wonder if some people are like, oh, this is still like. I'm sure. Yeah. Just Batman. <laughs> Dude, there's probably people that think this movie took place in like two days. And I'm like, wait, how much Batman really? We get to see it. Like, <laughs> dude, yeah, we get to it. Did you guys have anything else for minute 72? No. Because it kind of feeds into the next one. Yeah. Um, this one, it really just, uh, Alfred sees through Bruce's uh, deception and gets the information that we needed. Uh, also, as for an audience, we kind of get back on track of mm-hmm. What uh what what is the plot of what's going on here? And that is to for Batman to get the Kryptonite to fight Superman because that's where we're, I guess for some people that's what we're leading into is mm-hmm. a fight between the mm-hmm. a, a physical fight between the two superheroes, um, which sparks this debate between Alfred and Bruce. Um, Affleck, but we're gonna go ahead and Affleck dipping into the Batman voice is fun. Uh, there when he says he brought the war to us and he like he almost yeah. sounds like he's wearing his modulator like it's cool dude i'm telling you there's like some there's like a handful of them and i don't know it's just a handful of ben affleck dialogue that like when it's delivered and the tone of it and how it sounds it gives me goosebumps it's just weird it's just like oh that that's fitting yeah like that's that's the character that i like and this is one of them um you know, I think we I said it last week with uh in the in the nightmare sequence. Uh, mm-hmm. He does have the voice modulator on. He's like, "Did you get it?" Like that <laughs> whole just asking like, "Did you get it?" And like asking about the with rock. The like, that's, voice. Yeah, like that's just amazing. But it also yeah. happened in the the gala at Lex's place where it, he's like, uh, "Oh, pretty girl, bad habit." Don't yeah. quote me. Like, oh, do I own this one? And then yeah, he's yeah. like once he starts and there's a Bruce about, Wayne voice, but then he's yeah. switching. He's like, "Listen, listen, son." Oh yeah, like, the switch. Yeah, when the mask came he off, he was like, "Wait a minute, mm-hmm. you're gonna be talking about me? I'm gonna set you straight, boy." Yeah, yeah <laughs> I I like the voice modulator, but I think uh, I think as we go along, we're gonna get to a point where we won't really need it because I I do think that. You know, that line of he brought the war to us, I, mm-hmm. I mean, that proves you compare that to him doing like to the nice shoes. I like those shoes line like those are two completely different voices. You would never connect those two people. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, 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 yeah, I like again, I like the voice modulator. I, I think it's I think it's good. And it's it's a lot better than than, you know the growly voice uh, from the dark Knight yeah. trilogy. Um, but I, I don't, I don't necessarily think, I think he would be able to pull it off. Uh, and I wonder if in his solo movies, if they'll, they'll get rid of the voice modulator so that Affleck can kind of like find his, uh, his Batman persona uh, yeah. without the help of the modulator. Or even in justice league, because I, 
I haven't really watched the trailer, so I don't know, but I don't I can't don't, recall if the modulator is still in use. I, I've seen a lot of Bruce Wayne in the trailers. Yeah, yeah. see, I've seen a so, lot of Bruce, I haven't yeah. seen any Batman thing. Yeah, I'm keeping away from the Batman because they always want to show you the action sequences. Right. So it's like, no, I don't want to do that. I, they, I don't think I saw at all the like the warehouse sequence in the end of this movie. I don't think that was in trailers oh, at I, all. Yeah. No, it, it was in the last... It was like in one of the last. I didn't yeah. see Dawn of Justice trailer. Yeah, the last right. the I last Dawn of Justice trailer opens with that sequence. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, see, I, when I saw that in theaters, that was like, whoa, yeah. what is this? Yeah, and that's yeah, where, yeah. I, you know, that's Batman. So I'm trying to stay away from it. But I, yeah, I've seen a lot of Bruce Wayne, and I think you're right, Scott. I feel like they're going to take away that voice modular, which it, it's that's okay. I'm okay with. Yeah. I do like it now that it's being used. Yeah, um, it fits his arc I'm, because it it does yeah. it does establish that like you talked about when you guys first heard it you talked about that that sort of otherworldly supernatural uh mm-hmm. you know legendary status and so it definitely builds into that if the voice modulator makes him sound like a literal demon from hell um yeah but but the uh uh it's more of a that that type of intimidation tactic is more of like a specter thing um than a batman thing that that specific uh, tactic. So I like the I like the idea of him sort of growing and evolving into uh, more of like that, like you said, like that Kevin Conroy, Tim, Bruce Tim mm-hmm. uh, style Batman. Yeah, yeah. And we can always assume the modulator is still working. It's just for the sake of us listening as an audience, like we just hear his his voice or something. It could always be like that, right? I feel like I would have to hear the modulator. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> be weird if they were I mean, always but, talking yeah. about the modulator, but it's never yeah. in use. That would be weird. Yeah. But anyway. Cool. Yeah. All righty. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up for today. If you guys enjoyed everything you heard, you can find us on all social media at DCU Minute. And you can find us at the Facebook group, the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society. And we'll catch you guys tomorrow here for another episode of DC Cinematic Minute.